Hello, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson once again with another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Today, I am joined by a longtime friend, Robbie Calland, who has done writing all over the internet. He got his start with the Atlanta Hawks, then did some writing for Hardwood Paroxysm, CBS Sports. He is now a senior writer at Uproxx, which has, over the last three years, basically become one of my favorite websites for just any sort of random topic you guys are excellent at covering uh how you doing today robbie i appreciate that kirk i'm doing uh, i'm doing quite well um i think i've finally finally turned the corner and recovered from all-star uh, that that was why i waited until yesterday to bother you because you are a traveling man at some of the key points of the nba season and it looks like from everybody who goes that all-star is just an absolute grind yeah it uh that is a good way to describe it. I mean, like I, I spend Thursday to Thursday to Sunday just kind of running around to anything and everything. And uh yeah, like it's it's fun. It's the place where we end up getting like our best access to stuff. It's where I bank, you know, I think I've got twelve interviews banked basically <laughs> over you know, like with players and stuff, like um and 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 celebrity chefs, I must add. I want to um, circle back around to that in the latter will. half of the podcast. We will. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, All Stars a uh, All Stars a crazy time, but but like I said, it's it's good. It's good for business. It's it's when we get our stuff done. It's uh, it's when we we kind of take all of our all of our chips that we gather over the over the year. Uh, working with various brands and PR people and, and cash those in for access. And uh, yeah, this year was good. And, and I, the game itself was good, which is always, always nice and not often the case at all-star. Well, speaking of all stars, I, mm-hmm. the Mavericks and Hawks play each other in about in a few days on Saturday. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm talking to you now, as opposed to earlier in the season, because I really, I really had a good time watching Trey and Luca interact over the last several days. They they mm-hmm. had this kind of built-in animosity just due to the fact that they were traded for one another. But seeing these guys as like people and getting to just enjoy playing basketball was a lot of fun. So what are you what are your kind of takeaways so far this season from from Trey's sophomore campaign? He's been great. You know, I, I was kind of my question for Trey was like, you know, can you can you get better? You know, it's it's really hard to be, and and really it was the same for Luca, um, and the fact that both have have kind of taken taken steps forward. Obviously, they they kind of are on uh, slightly different tracks, but for both of them to take step forward to be All Star starters, Luca to be, uh, if it weren't for the injuries, he would be in the MVP conversation. I, he wouldn't be where Giannis is, but you know, he'd be one of those guys that you have to have to discuss and. Um, you know, Trey has has continued to get better. Um, especially, obviously, the offense is is where he thrives, and and he's just he's hit a, he's hit another gear this last I'd say the last like couple couple weeks. Uh, he he's you know whether it's the guys they brought in from the trade or just kind of getting getting a little healthier. Um, the assist numbers are, are have popped way up again for him. And uh, it, it's just it's impressive to see both of them, but but with Trey specifically, uh, the efficiency that he's able to score with was something I questioned coming into the draft, uh, and was especially worried about coming into a team that had absolutely no one else mm-hmm. to like do anything offensively. 
and the fact that he's been as efficient as he has been, given his propensity for some iffy shots, um, but those are part of his game and, and kind of part of what makes him who he is and as dangerous as he is because he will just kind of pull up for that logo shot with no conscience. But it makes you step. It makes you step out there, and for a guy who doesn't have elite athleticism, the fact that you have to cover him so far out uh, gives him more space to to kind of get by you and to get that that step on you because he's not a guy. And, and Luke is kind of similar with the step back. He makes you step so far out mm-hmm. that that first step might not be. It's not. It's not John Morant. It's not like he just has this burst that just you can't stay in front of. But because you have to be always wary of with Trey, it's the pull up and with Luca, it's the step back. You're always on your toes and kind of leaning forward. And so that's how they create that, that space. And then, and then kind of shimmy into the lane and uh, Trey's floater game is, is probably top five in the league as far as efficiency. He's so so good. good. And that's, and like, and so it's kind of funny when we talk about, uh, you know, how are these guys going to do? How are these guys? The one of the questions for Trey was, how is he going to finish around the rim? And, and, and he's never going to be an elite Kyrie Irving layup package guy because he just, he doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the strength right now to do that. But it's like, how can you be efficient down there? And like, if you can be super efficient at inefficient shots, teams are going to give you those. And because it's just ingrained in their DNA to say, actually giving up a floater is good because most people hit 40% of them. But if you can hit 49% of those shots, and it's kind of the Kawhi KD, like, oh, is the mid-range a good shot? It's like, it's a good shot if you're good at it. And and this is, you know, and the floater for Trey is a good shot. The floater for Mike Conley used to be a good shot. It hasn't been this year, but like (laughs) similar to, you know, similar to that. Like, and so it's kind of like you find this little market inefficiency in how defenses are taught to play. And if you can excel and be elite at that skill, you can you can really like wreak some havoc. And, and he's so good at that. And then he has lob partners. He's got a ton now with John Collins, Dwayne Dedman, and whenever Clint Capella comes back, um, I'm excited to see what he's able to do there because like when they kind of sit in that dunker spot on the baseline, it's it's not fun to be a big and try to decide whether to hang back or re- re- ready to step step forward on Trey. Well, that's interesting that you that you talked about the big men there at the end cuz one of the things the Mavs Moneyball staff wanted to know is what are the Hawks doing with all of these bigs? <laughs> because there are many of them on the roster. Lots. Uh so it's really interesting it was it was the glaring weakness ahead of the deadline. Like bar none, you knew what they were trying to do on the wing. They just had young guys who were inconsistent. You obviously you have Trey and you have John Collins, but other than that, Alex Len was solid. He was he was giving them good minutes, but behind them, Damian Jones might be one of the worst players in the league. Like that's, you know, like it's it's unfortunate, but it's true. Like their numbers with him on the floor were disastrous, and they just had to upgrade that spot. And I think Capella was kind of the the target that they had in mind once the Drummond thing moved on. And I think Capella is a better fit than Drummond. I thought Drummond could work in Atlanta. Um, he's not but, a very good role man. People, people were yeah. throwing the Maz for it, and he's it's just not something he wants to do. He's very no. much he's very much earlier career uh, DeAndre Jordan, kind right? Of in, in comparison, he, 
he kind of, you know, he, he, he wants some post touches and, and he's just going to be a monster on the glass and that sort of thing. But Capella is kind of perfect because like, that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. All he knows is catch lobs and roll hard, you know? Right. Uh, Cause that's what Houston had him do. So like, I think, I think from a fit standpoint, it works a little better. And from a money standpoint, uh, you're going to pay Capella an awful lot less than you're going to have to pay Drummond starting next year. Um, but I I think with that, there was just like, let's just get this in and immediately upgrade the position. And then Man. when Deadman kind of fell in their lap, like they were just like, this is a guy that we know can come in. First off, we know Capella is going to be a little bit of a project injury wise. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to really take their time with him. Um, you know, I know Capella said he wants to be back uh, after the all-star break, but, but Schlenk has been, pretty adamant about he's not coming back till he's a hundred percent because there's no reason for him not to uh the hawks aren't making the playoffs this year like it's right so why rush him back uh and so getting to what deadman was like okay we can get somebody that can come in he knows ex- we know exactly how to use this guy because he has best years for over the last two years while he was in atlanta um and i i think it was just we can get him for nothing we can get off the Jabari contract, which like giving him the player option was one of the head scratchers of the offseason um, on like a very like low level. Uh, but giving him like, a, I think it was like a seven and a half million dollar player option. Right. Was a head scratcher. So you get off of that. You bring Deadman in. The Kings obviously just wanted to like forget that ever happened. You move Len. Uh, you replace him with Deadman, who just from a fit perspective, you know, he can step out to the corners and hit threes. He can hit the above the break three. Um, and he gives you a better rim defender than you had on the roster other than Len. Um, I think the goal is really just like, let's make this a strength. And that way we don't necessarily have to feel like we have to address it in the draft. Yeah. Um, because I, I think the idea was if we stay as put, like if you're Travis Schlenk, you're thinking if we stay as put, we're going to have to, have to address this, you know, we're going to have to draft a big guy and you don't want to be the Hawks and be in a spot where really you're just trying to add talent, 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 mm-hmm. and be in a spot where you have to draft for need. Cause that's when you get reaches. That's when you get that sort of thing. If you're going to have a top five pick again, you don't want to sit there and everybody knows they're taking the big guy. So I, I, I think that was it. I, I think, you don't want to be stuck in a spot where it's like, well, Hawks are taking James Wiseman or whoever, yeah. you know, like. Um, it also feels like one of these things where with the way that the Hawks talent salary is structured, meaning mm-hmm. Young and Herder and some of these guys, they're paying those guys cheap. They have yes. to spend money on someone. It well, might as well be a known commodity. So, well, and that was the no other thing. thing is overpaying for no. those guys. And the and like honestly, at this point, with the way contracts are, like Capella's deal looks pretty good. He makes like eighteen a year or whatever. Like it's not like he's like making like twenty nine. Mm. Uh, Deadman, you know, thirteen a year is fine. And like you said, I mean, they're going to come into this summer with two max slots. What the hell are the Hawks going to do with two max <laughs> slots this summer? Okay. Like they still have way too much money, but they can at least fill a roster out with that stuff. But like, you can't come into this summer with this free agency class and be the team that is 
has the most money. Like you just don't want to do that because it's just not good, man. Like it's just, it's not a good class. It's timed out wrong. Everybody's coming for next summer. So I think the idea was let's just bring these guys in, try to sign maybe. I I think what they'll try to do this summer is go for, you remember when, like when Philly, when they were trying to emerge from the process years, the first big deal they signed was that $23 million JJ Reddick deal. Right. It was one year. It was $8 million more annually than JJ Reddick should be getting, but it's the way to get a quality veteran onto a team like that. I think they do something similar. I think there will be a contract. Everybody goes, what the hell is that? But it's going to be one year. It's going to be like $25 million and it's going to be for a guy. Everybody goes, why, Mm -hmm. why is he making $25 million? It's because the Hawks need quality veteran play and you just can't get guys. Guys don't buy players and agents are the last people in the world to buy in on your basketball team. If you don't have a track record and the Hawks do not have a track record, Um, even with making the playoffs for 10 straight years, they just don't have a track record of guys wanting to come sign with them. You know, Trey is a guy that that some guys around the league like, but like I don't think they're beating down the doors to come play with him. Not yet, at least. Not yet until he starts winning. And he won't and and the conundrum is you won't start winning till you get better guys around him. So I think they're gonna do that with somebody. Somebody's gonna get a monster one year deal with like a team option or something. Sure. Sure. Well, I have one more. So we talked young, we've talked the bigs. I don't think we need to talk about Kevin Herter because he is just outstanding and there's really nothing else to say past the fact that he was an absolute steal for his position. And I am extremely jealous that you get to watch him play basketball. The last as long as as he stays when he when he's healthy and he's right, he's he's terrific. Uh, His issues is definitely like keeping healthy. He said that shoulder thing and and when and then when he kind of bows through it, it's not great. But he's been he's been terrific. They've done well with the seventeenth pick. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and that's where see teams, particularly teams that have been bad for a while, and the Mavericks are probably they're gonna have this is the last year they're gonna have a, a pick. Uh they'll have two draft picks in the next four drafts total, I think. Right. Uh and and they're probably gonna be picking like twenty two to twenty three. And you just gotta nail nailing a pick like that accelerates your timetable in a so way much. that's hard to 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 explain. Yeah, I mean um, the Hawks getting Herder and Collins did that, like for it's sure. Incredible. So the last two guys I want to talk to you about before we move on to kind of NBA topics at large, uh, I really want to talk here what you have to think about the two wings selected in this year's draft, Cam Reddish mm. and DeAndre Hunter. So who, mm. how are they playing? Who do you like? You know, what, what are your kind of feelings on them through, you know, 50 career games so far? Yeah, Cam seems to me maybe kind of finding his footing a little bit, which is nice to see. I mean, he's he's shot the ball better, which he has to do. I mean, it, it, with Cam, it simply comes out. His defense is terrific. Big um, guy, really he big might guy. Be, he might be the best defender on the Hawks. Oh. Possibly. Like, he's been, he's been better on that end than Hunter, and that was supposed to be, like, Hunter's thing. Um, he's been, he's been like legit terrific on that end. Like Brad, Brad, Brad Roland will espouse the, the good, the good, the good news of Cam Reddish's defense all day. <laughs> um, and, and you know, like it, it, Brad watches more Hawks basketball than anybody in the world should. Right. Um, so I, I trust his judgment. I, 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 I watch as much as I can, but sometimes we'll, 
uh, happily skip a magic game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Cam, Cam's kind of turned the corner a little bit. And, and the question is, you know, how much can, can he find that consistency from three point range? Cause I mean, he was legitimately like terrible shooting threes early in the season. And like, we were like, Oh no, like, don't be like you were at Duke. Don't he had one. He had one video go viral where he made a move in the lane and just like shot the ball over the rim and the backboard. And it was, yeah, like, it's oh, just gosh. The, 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 the touch is, is a bit off, but it seems to be fine. And a little something. And again, the defense, and honestly, I think the encouraging sign is that the defensive energy and intensity on a garbage basketball team has stayed up despite the fact that he's had offensive struggles. And usually that's when guys just punt. I mean, that was the thing with Dennis. Um, Dennis, everybody was like, oh, Dennis can play defense. I was like, he's not, though. You know? <laughs> and, like, like that was the thing is, like, once the Hawks got bad, Dennis stopped caring on that end. And it's good to see him playing really well again in OKC, I got to say that. Uh, and his offensive – I wrote about this for Dime. Uh, his offensive efficiency – he's, like, in the 85th percentile of guards, and he'd never been in, like, the top half of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so like shouts to Dennis for figuring out your shot for becoming the player you've become, but like he needed to get out of Atlanta to do that. Right. Um, and that cam is bringing as much effort and intensity on that end and coupling that with his skill set on that end of just, like you said, just length and size, like he's been really good over there. And that that's encouraging because that tells you this isn't a kid that's, you know, so worried about the fact that he was shooting, you know, in the 20% from three um, that he's just going to get himself down in the dump. So I think that's the encouraging sign with Cam. We'll see if he can find the offensive consistency. But I think if nothing else, he set himself up as, 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 a, as a baseline is like, you know, I don't know, maybe like Andre Roberson. Like if he can just never figure out the shot, if he can just never figure it out, like that's, that's the type of player he can still be is like an, a really impactful defender. Um, and then Deandre it's been, I think Deandre's played the most minutes of any rookie this year. Like he just, they're just putting a lot on him. Um, and he draws some tough assignments on defense and he's had his struggles and, and he, but he shows flashes offensively again with both of the guys. It, it comes down to offensive consistency and whether they can make shots. Cause they'll both have games. And it's kind of funny when one has a good game, the other tends to have a good game. Uh, they, I don't know whether they feed off each other. I don't know what it is, but when one's hitting shots, the other tends to hit shots. And when one's not hitting shots, uh, both kind of have a, have a tendency to, to have some struggles. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, like they're th- the whole thing with them is like they need to consistently be able to hit shots because the thing is, Trey's going to find you. Like if you're open, Trey's going to find you and you've got to you've got to be able to knock down those shots because, you know, like that's what they desperately need is those wing players to to give them that. And outside of Herder, they just haven't had it consistently. Um so that, that's really where the rookie stand is, is in a, in a shocking turn of events, 20 year olds aren't super consistent. Like, sure. You know, like <laughs> last year, uh, it, I it, think really warped people's expectations because oh, last no year's doubt. rookie class was so was good. So good. Really. We've had, a, we've had a few that have been really good. I mean, the, the Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum year before that. I mean, you've had some spectacular rookie classes, like top end of the rookie class, but like, I mean, typically this is what you see. And I, even this year with Ja and Zion coming in and just immediately stepping on the floor and being some of the best players on the floor. And, and I think it's 
it shows you how good the top level guys are now that they come in the league, but it's still the same. Once you get past, you know, the top few guys, depending on how strong the draft is at the top, top couple guys, you're going to, you're going to have the growing pains. And, and, and really, so that the thing is, is like, whenever they have bad games, like the sky's not falling, whenever they have good games, like they're not going to be all-stars next year. Let's, let's find the happy medium. Um, and you know, I don't, the, the, the big question for the next couple of years is like, where do these guys fit in your rotation going forward? Like is, is, is DeAndre Hunter a starter in the NBA? That's what we got to figure out. You know, that's, if you, if you're looking at the Hawks, you're like, okay, can, can Hunter be the starter? Okay, no, then we got to figure something else out. Can Cam, what's, what's Cam right now? I think he's best as like a, a bench, a bench guy getting 20 minutes, uh, that you throw out there to, to kind of give you some defense. Um, so stuff like that. Uh, is really the question over the next couple of years. Like, you know, you've got a star in Trey, you know, you have a starter um, in John Collins who can just feast, but you got to find the pieces around them. Um, and yeah, I mean, like the, the questions are on the wing, but those are questions that are long-term and, and, and shouldn't really get overly addressed this summer. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, if you'll stick with us through a commercial break, we'll, I'll be right back with Robbie. We will talk a little bit NBA at large. I'm back with Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports. We've been talking Atlanta Hawks and a little bit of Mavs, but I really want to pivot to the NBA at large because Robbie does a ton of work over at Uprock Sports. Uh, he just got back from All-Star Weekend where he wrote a number of pieces, including my favorite one where he interviewed uh, Warriors superfan and celebrity chef Guy Fieri. Is that how you say his last name? Fieri, yes. Yes, yes. Talk to me about that. What's that like talking to Guy? uh he was awesome so it's kind of funny it's like everybody's like oh guy's the best guy's the best guy's the best and i was giving him so so the celeb game started at i think five local um or maybe six maybe it was six local and it was like 520 he's still on the red carpet i'm like oh man he's gonna <laughs> kind of be in a hurry just kind of like rush through this and like Oh man. So like right about 5:30 finally comes off the red carpet. Find is like he does like like 2 minutes with some Australian TV station or something like that that wanted a couple of quotes. And then like they kind of like wrangle him over to me. And like they're like, you know, like this is this Robbie from Dime like he had it set up with you and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like, "Let's go." And so we kind of like tuck back behind like this like little like barricade. And uh I was just trying to like rush through it and he was just like he just wanted to talk like he he's he's really like genuinely super nice guy super just like really enjoyed that i wanted to talk like warriors with him um and, and it's it's fun when you get it like i also talked to uh jose andres uh Ooh. which will run later this week um, I mean, my wife is a huge huge fan of his so i'll have and, to flag that yeah, one down and he's a uh you know he's a massive w- wizards fan um because he's a dmv guy and like when you talk to these guys about like their, it, it's kind of like when you talk to sports people about like music and stuff, if you can find the thing that they're really into, um, they kind of like light up and they just want to talk about it. Cause they talk about basketball all the time. Um, and, and so I always try to find those things with guys. And and so with these, with these celebs, like it's so like they're, you know, guy here is like a massive warriors fan. Jose Andres is a massive wizards fan. Like they want to talk about basketball. They want to talk about that sort of stuff. They want to talk about like their charity stuff they do because they're really passionate about that. Like Jose Andres has 
uh, the world central kitchen that like goes, went to like the Bahamas and served like a half a million meals. He was actually like, he told me he was going back to the Bahamas with Serge Ibaka and Jose Calderon to serve more meals this past weekend after the celeb game. And like, if you can talk to him about the stuff that they're passionate about, like they're super into it. And, and you know, like guy doesn't want me to, you know, ask him for the donkey sauce recipe, you know, like stuff like that. He, <laughs> he doesn't want the same questions he always gets. So if you can find those things, like it, it always makes the conversation easier. Uh, and he was super into it. And, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Like he, you know, he wants to talk about his kids and like what his kids get to do with all star. And like, uh, he was just like, he's a cool guy. And like, I asked him like one like jokey question at the end and and he had fun with it. And then, gave him some dap and a hug and was like, and I was like, you know, go coach him up, I guess. Like, cause he was coaching in the slip game. So, uh, it was fun. You know, it's, it's, like, uh, and there, there are some things that like, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty used to talking to NBA guys at this point. Like, you know, I sit down sure. with, you know, I had to sit down with Kemba and like, I sit down with Miles Turner and you, you know, you talk to these like all-stars and you just, it's cool, but you're just kind of, it's, that's the job. Right. And like, so like when I get a chance to do these, like I, I, all I do is watch food network and cook now. Like that's my hobby. Like, that's all. And I you're do. a very good Instagram follow for the stuff that you cook. <laughs> it's kind of upsetting because you've, you've lost a bunch of weight over the last several years and it's kind of, man, you're still eating. So you're like, you're eating excellent food. This is, ugh. that's it, but, man. If you cook it, <laughs> if you cook it yourself control, control what's in it. That's, that's true. What it's all about. But any, but yeah. So like, so it's funny when I get to do these, like, so I, I get, this is when I get like giddy and I'm like, Oh my God, I get to do this. Like, <laughs> you know, like I got, like I did, I got the thing uh, like over the phone with like Alex Gordon and Shelly. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I get to do amazing. this. Uh, and so it's stuff like that, that, that kind of gets me geek out. And so it was, but it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, guys, guys, everything that I expected them to be, uh, which doesn't often happen with these guys that, that people keep telling you they're great. They're great. They're great. They're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always that's always fun. Well, two more questions, and I'll let yep. you get out of here. First, what is one of your beyond besides this this Guy Fieri story? Could you plug a couple of uh, of your other favorite stories that you've worked on this last year? Because you've done some incredible interviews. The Stephen A. Smith one comes to mind, but honestly, we've been doing this stuff for so long that I can't remember what year that was. That could have been three years ago for all that I was know. At this point. Yeah, Stephen A. was two years ago. Um, oh man, I forget them too. <laughs> well your page is incredible i'm scrolling through it as we're talking i'm like oh my god you write a lot i do uh and that's kind of the tough part is like they kind of like fall um so coming up like i'm really so i've got today this is wednesday today i've got uh, a sue bird interview that i was really happy with and a kimball walker interview that i'll run friday ahead of their game uh both of those i was really happy with how they just kind of like what we talked about and kind of how they came out. I talked to Sue Bird about um, kind of the expansion of uh, women's fashion within the basketball culture and how there's more opportunity for them now as brands start to kind of actually make real like women's stuff and not the the old mm-hmm. shrink it and pink it thing. Right. Um, and so we kind of dove into that and dove into um, her because like she's become like this like fashion icon and kind of dove into like her like uh kind of transformation into that and kind of finding herself and being comfortable with herself and that sort of thing so i was really happy with how that turned out we talked some uh we talked some hoops too like some of her favorite um her favorite like point guards to watch in in the nba and WNBA, and uh got her thoughts on on kind of the WNBA summer at large that that was kind of wild and 
Um, and then Kemba, uh, he, he gave me, you know, some funny market smart stories and just kind of, we talked about, uh, coming into his, his, a new place and assuming a leadership role. And, and he gave me some, some really good thoughts on kind of the, the tricky balance of trying to do that. Uh, and, and, and some thoughtful stuff. Uh, the Stephen A. Smith thing is, is probably near the top of like, uh, feature type stuff I've done. Uh, I had a really good one with, uh, Kurt Menefee, uh, host of the Fox NFL yeah. uh, pregame and halftime show. That uh, was good. I like that one. That was, that was a fun one to do. He was really good. I talked to Terry and Howie and those guys. Um, and just kind of like, it's cause it's kind of crazy. They've been doing it for like a decade basically together. And like, that doesn't happen in TV, like all the same guys. Um, and so it was kind of, kind of cool to, to, to get out there and talk to them. Uh, man, I, I don't even know. Um, probably those, like I, I do a lot of the media stuff. Um, that's kind of become a bit of my lane, uh, is, is the media. I did, um, uh, I did a high noon one that had a lot of fun doing high noon and a Jalen and Jacoby one. So I really it's, it's the, the media yeah. stuff is media stuff's where I get, get, you know, I mean the lot of great access and like, I found that people really like really are into it because like these people are the the people on sports television are in your lives a lot, mm-hmm. sometimes more than the athletes you watch. So people care about them, and uh, I will have fun getting to do those things. Um, so I'd say those. That's great, thank you. My last question before I let you get out of here: Are there any what what you know? You're you're my favorite when you were with CBS, were when you were covering golf, and I would mm-hmm. log on in like the middle of the night, and you would be covering some golf tournament on the other side of the planet, uh, mainly for gambling reasons. And I was wondering if you what gambling opportunities are you excited for in the next several months? Ooh, so it's um, you know, this <laughs> this the the spring is the spring's an interesting time because it's it, there's not a lot, but uh. I do, I do, I do love tournament time. I'm not a college basketball guy by like, I don't pretend to be, but like, I love gambling on the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments. Uh, like I might just drive up to Vegas for the first, uh, first weekend of the tournament. Cause it's, it's a blast. It's an insane time at the book. Uh, masters is always my heaviest golf betting day of the year, weekend of the year. Just <laughs> aggressive on matchups and stuff all over the board. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then once we get to to NBA playoffs, I'll see what I got. But I, I don't I, like I don't do much with NBA because like you know they're so dialed on those lines and stuff that like I don't I can't. Yeah, mutual can't mutual friend Matt Moore kind of becomes a lunatic around this time of year because yeah. of all the factors that play into betting. Oh he dropped God. into our Slack about a week before All Star break, and he's like, "None of these make sense." Yeah, nothing is making any sense because no. just guys are mailing it in, and all uh-huh. of a sudden you have the Hawks beating the Spurs and crap like that. It's like, yeah. what's going on? It, it, yeah, like, and that's the other thing is like, if you don't follow it so closely, where you know, you know, like who's on what schedule, who's on the third third game in four nights, who's on, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not just so dialed, you don't know like who's kind of fighting through an ankle and like there's so many factors that go into the nba stuff that like i i just i'm good you know <laughs> like i'm good on it like i, I you know i i, I and the, the funny thing i cover the nba but like 
I don't know what all 30 teams are doing at any given moment. Like right. I watch a lot of basketball, but like, I, you know, like I can't watch everything. And so, and, and that's not my, and my job's not to know exactly what's happening at all times with every team. Like I kind of like dive in here and there and just kind of like pick my spots to, to really like try to go a little deeper on. And, and like, so in that, like, I can't do the NBA bidding. It's wild stuff. And like salute to Matt and all the guys that try to do it because I, I don't, I don't fully have a grasp. Um, but yeah, so I'd say coming up NCAA tournament masters are, uh, are the two big ones. And then we'll see, you know, NBA playoffs, there's not much else going on. So I'll probably dip a toe. That was actually why I asked. Cause I didn't know if I was missing anything big. Robbie, no, there's, I th- there's not. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for hopping on this morning and talking with me. I have been, I know you're really busy, so I don't like bothering you. And I know you're taking time out of your day for uh, talking to me. If you don't follow Robbie on Twitter, I'm going to link him and a number of these stories in the post that I put up. All of you better check it out. And then I, I, I'm serious, guys. Consider making Uprock part of your website routine. There aren't many great websites anymore that really post stuff consistently that's good. And Uprocks just has an incredible amount of content, and all of it is fun. I appreciate that. All right, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Robbie Calland. This has been episode 23 of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I will talk to you guys probably after the Hawks game.